Welcome to Declare, the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Ohio. Each episode, LPO Communications Director Aaron Keith Harris talks to the most interesting people promoting liberty in Ohio and around the world. You can send questions and comments to news at lpo.org. Hi, I'm Aaron. My guest today is the newly appointed finance director for the Libertarian Party of Ohio, Jillian Mack. How are you today, Jillian? Very well, thanks, Aaron. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Uh, it's been a long day, and we've both been working hard for the LPO, and um, I've been teaching so all day, so I'm a little tired. But we're here to talk about uh, the Libertarian Party of Ohio, what we have been doing lately, what we are doing in the near future, and uh, you're a big part of that. Uh, tell me about the new position that you have, how it came about. Well, as uh, finance director, um, really the purpose of the position is to raise money for the party. Um, that's really my main goal, and then uh, support all of our current donors as well. So it came about uh, because, you know, we've had people in the position before uh, on a volunteer basis, and... Um, while they've done a good job, it, it's probably the most critical part of the organization when you're trying to get up and going, because if you don't have money coming in, you certainly don't have money going out to spend on all the important things that uh, we want to spend it on. So um, when the leadership came to that conclusion, they realized that they needed to uh, put somebody in this position and make it a paid position so that there was some incentive there to really try to uh, grow the party financially and uh, with membership. Right. I think that uh, the LPO, as we call the Libertarian Party of Ohio, um, has had paid staff in the past, but I don't think it hasn't had paid staff since I've been on board here in the last year or so. And how, how long have you been uh, involved with the LPO? Uh, with the LPO, probably about three years, and I think it's been about maybe six years since they've had paid staff. Um, I'm not staff. Let's, uh, I want to make sure that that's clear. I'm an independent contractor right. with the LPO. Um, but they have had paid staff in the past, uh, usually in the form of an executive director position. And um, while that model has worked in some states and, and is you know somewhat working, um, it's kind of expecting one person to wear all hats and to know how to do everything. And the model that Ohio is trying to follow now is more of a division structure. So just like you're the communications director, I'm the finance director, um, there's an IT director, field development director, and so forth, really having people specialize in different fields. Um, so that's the direction that uh, our state chair has been taking us over the past, uh, uh, how long has he been there? Four, or, four to six years, I'd say, at this point. Um, and I think he's been doing a great job with that. I think that's the right direction to go in so that you can divide the labor up better. Right. Whereas previously when we had a paid executive director, kind of that one person had to do everything and, uh, and they were expected to know everything and not one person can really do everything and know everything. Right. So and I was actually on, uh, I hold an at-large um, uh, seat on the executive committee and, and I was a small part of this and it's just uh, the idea that we need to have a little bit of funds. Uh, well, actually more than a little bit. We have a little bit coming in already and it's kind of spiked a little bit since you've uh, come on board. But we need that money 
to help our candidates, to get our message out, to redesign our website, things like that. We're going to get into that uh, here in a minute. But like you said, the strategy is to get the money coming in, help the people who are already putting in a lot of volunteer time, and then eventually uh, maybe start bringing on other paid staff in the coming months and years. Um, but, you know, without without money, you can't do you can't do much. So exactly. Right. exactly. And we have a, a great number of wonderful volunteers in our organization that, that have been helping for years and doing a phenomenal job. And I want to see those volunteers start to turn into paid positions. So that's kind of one of my own personal goals is to start getting people on the payroll. Right. Let's go back a little bit. Tell me, um, you know, a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and uh, maybe how you became a small L libertarian and 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 a big L libertarian. Uh, well, I was born in Lakewood, Ohio. It's a fairly densely populated city, bordering Cleveland on the west, and um, born into a. a Small house with a lot of people in it, four generations. Um, and so I had an interesting childhood growing up. I was I was raised on the far left, um, raised to believe that we need government to help us because we were poor and so forth. And so I had to work very hard to get where I got in life. Uh, I went to Miami University, and um, I'm almost finished paying off loans for that. Um, yeah, that's good. I'm very excited yeah. about that. Um, but in my time at Miami University, I um, that's when I discovered uh, the Libertarian Party and the Libertarian philosophy really all at the same time. It was um, my first presidential election that I was old enough to vote in. That was back in 2000. I'm going to date myself. Yeah. Um, so... There was a special on uh, that the wonderful John Stoffel did on ABC back then uh, on all political parties. So he didn't just do the Republicans and Democrats, but all of them, and just talked about what's their platform, what do they stand for, who are they running for president, and so forth. And when I heard the platform, the Libertarian platform, as he explained it, I just immediately, a light bulb went off, and I thought, oh my gosh, that just makes total sense. Um, so while I've been raised to believe that I should, you know, my my personal and civil liberties should be protected, yet somebody else should uh, help to take care of us because we were poor and I was born to a single teenage mother and uh, things like that. We were, you know, blue collar working class. When I just heard the philosophy explained very simply, it just made sense to me because I had worked so hard to get where I was, and I thought, you know. Everybody should have to work and put in effort. Nobody should be handed something just for no reason, and nobody else should be forced to to pay somebody else's way. I mean, obviously, there's exceptions to that rule if someone really is incapable of taking care of themselves. Um, but really, I think what our country was founded on and, and what the libertarian philosophy is all about just makes the most sense to me, that everyone is equal in opportunity um, but not necessarily an outcome. So it's just about how you apply yourself and how hard you work and, and what you decide to do with your time that determines your outcomes. So that spoke to me. And so I co-founded the Miami University College Libertarians back then um, and joined the, the National Party and just kind of got engaged at that point. Um, 
I dropped out of the scene, I would say, a little bit after college, just because I got focused on my career. I got a, a degree in um, business with a focus in information systems and a uh, minor in computer science, and got very focused on my career after college, um, which went very well, and uh, was focused on that for at least eight years or so before I started to... Um, get back into the libertarian movement in general and get really fed up with what was going on um, at the federal level of government. And as those passions started to reemerge, I realized that uh, I needed to devote a lot more time to that. And my very long working hours in, um, in IT were not really permitting me to devote the time that I wanted to, to the Libertarian Party and libertarian philosophy. So you actually, tell me a little bit about the job you had, and it was a pretty good gig, Mm -hmm. and you decided to leave it to to take this um, position. Uh, Where were you, and why did you make that final jump to doing this full-time? Well, I was working for a very large consulting firm. Um, They're actually a worldwide consulting firm. And I was a manager there. I worked my way up through the ranks from just software engineer up to project manager and um, at one point had up to 14 people working for me on a, on a team. I did um, project management for custom data warehousing and business intelligence applications for Fortune 100 companies. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I even had, at one point I had a team of people in India that worked for me. That was quite a challenge. Um, The time difference and the language barrier and everything, that was very challenging. But something I'm glad I had the opportunity to do. Um, So I did that at that level for a few years, and it was a great experience. It really stretched me as a person, and I learned a lot in the process. But, um, and as you mentioned, I was an excellent job. Uh, I was paid very well, had excellent benefits, um, all good things. It was just extremely long hours and um, sometimes very odd hours. Like I said, when I had to manage that team in India, sometimes I'd have to be on the phone at 5 o'clock in the morning. Very, very taxing on me personally and on my personal life. And um, Overall, I just started to realize that Yes, I'm a hard worker. It's natural. It's in me. It's always been in me. I've been working since I was 12. But um, I, I felt like I wasn't really getting out of it what I was putting into it. So the passion for it started to die away as my passion for libertarianism really started to grow even further. And uh, I ran for office last year as well. And I think that that also really ignited something in me, uh, that process of running for state representative, uh, going door to door, meeting people, teaching people about libertarianism in the process. That just proved to me that I, I needed to get more involved. And with the very limited time I had from my extremely busy IT job, um, I just was stretched very thin between my, my work, my personal life, and trying to devote volunteer hours to the LPO. So I, one day I just decided, you know, with, of course with the help of my husband, that my happiness was a lot more important than my paycheck, and luckily we are fiscal conservatives, so we've always lived beneath our means and saved our money. So 
Um, it was, you know, we just ran the numbers and thought, you know what, it, there's only one one chance in a lifetime that you get to do something like this, something that you think is really great, that you're really passionate about. So we thought we could make it work on on his income while I'm just kind of getting this thing off the ground and seeing if I can turn it into an income. And I, I certainly hope that I can, because if I turn it into an income for me, that means I'm turning it into a lot of income for the party. Right. I think you said you've been working since you were 12. I, I think I've actually got you beat. I, I had a paper out when I was nine. Oh, so, wow. So we, that's something some libertarians have in common, is we learned early on that uh, – you have to, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And I wanted baseball cards, so to buy baseball cards, I had to start delivering papers. So For me, it was garbage pail kids. I remember those. I remember those. I think we're roughly of the same generation, although I think I'm a few years older. But I definitely remember those and the consternation it caused among adults and teachers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. They were Some of them were pretty disgusting, but, uh, yeah. I loved them, and I still have my collection to this day. That's... Interesting. Um, <laughs> are they displayed in your house, or are they like off in a crate somewhere? They're not displayed, but they are very nicely put together in albums. Okay. Like to be organized, so they're they're all in order. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like my baseball cards. They're they're off. Uh, they're under lock and key. But uh, um, yeah, I would have never guessed that about you, the garbage show kids. So. Um, you mentioned a couple of things at the federal level that kind of got you back uh, interested in doing something about liberty. What were those issues? Well, I guess it was kind of funny how it all came about because um, I really wasn't even trying to get re-engaged. I got assigned to a new client um, to do a new IT project, and so I had a different route to work. And I asked a friend, I said, hey, I need to figure out what the traffic's going to be like, um, you know, what can you recommend? And he goes, oh, just there's a there's a local talk radio station on AM. Just put that on in the morning. They give traffic updates every 10 minutes in the morning. I was like, oh, okay, sure, why not? So here I am. I had always, you know, made fun of adults for listening to talk radio. And I put on the local talk radio station down here in Cincinnati. It's uh, 55KRC. Uh, I, I think that's 5.50 a.m. Yeah. And uh, their morning talk show host, his name is Brian Thomas, and um, so I'm listening to him as I'm waiting for traffic updates to try to figure out what's going to be my best route to get to this new job. And as I'm listening to him talk, um, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy's a libertarian. He sounds like a libertarian. Most of what he was saying when he was talking about the different issues that were going on, and this was before the last presidential election about – you know, three years ago, um, I was just, like, kind of blown away. Thinking, oh, my gosh, it kind of sounds libertarian. And so I sort of got sucked in to, you know, listening to his morning show and, and listening to what was going on in, in this, you know, the year before the election and um, getting reengaged in what was going on at, in federal-level politics because that's generally um, what he was talking about on his show. And um, after listening to him for about a month, um, talking about, you know, Barack Obama and John McCain and different scandals that were going on at the federal level and the spending and and, uh, and the crash that eventually came about. Kind of listening to all of this over the course of several months as I'm driving to work in the morning. Finally, after several months, um, I actually heard him say on the radio that he was a libertarian. And I, I just 
I remember shouting in my car that day. I was so happy. I just I just yelled, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. He actually said it. <laughs> so, um, he, I don't know, he just really sucked me in because most of the time his, his opinions are very libertarian-leaning. And, uh, and I, I got intrigued by everything that was going on with the crazy, all the craziness between the Obama and McCain election. I mean, I think we all remember that. Yeah, that was quite a year. That was my very, very, very last straw. Um, I've been a small libertarian since about age 17, 18, but kind of futilely tried here and there to do things within the Republican Party. Um, and, you know, I obviously wasn't happy with Bush and I was hoping things would get better in 08 and then they put up McCain and I'm just like, that's it. Um, I think I ended up voting for McCain just because of my white hot incandescent hatred for Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I did vote for Ron Paul in the primary that year. Um, but I haven't voted Republican, uh, since then. I'm totally out and totally into the LPO and the national LP. Um, you talk about 55 KRC. Is he, uh, Ryan, Th is he still on the air down there? Yeah, Brian Thomas is still on the air down here. Is he living in Kentucky or Ohio? He lives in Ohio. So you need to, we need to get him involved if we can. Um, I, I bet we can. Okay. Uh, I see him fairly regularly. They do a cool thing. They do a listener lunch every other Wednesday and okay. invite listeners to come out. And so I've met him several times. Oh, cool. I met him during my campaign and. Uh, yeah, so he's he's a really nice guy. He actually just had Penn Gillette on the radio show. Oh, nice. Uh, the other day. And we're working on, uh, Jillian is helping me try to, she recently met um, Mr. Gillette at, uh, I think, a Joseph, uh, bleh, Joseph Beth bookstore down around Cincinnati. And uh, we're trying to get him on the podcast here, so no promises. We've got a couple other very big libertarian names coming up soon. Um, and hopefully, Pendulette, we can add to that list. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I, I do want to get into kind of what we're needing to do here at the LPO and what your strategy is. But first, uh, you did say something that really intrigued me was uh, you decided to run for office, state representative. Um, and you went door to door and talked to people and things like that. Describe how does that work? Because for me, I used to be a newspaper reporter and I'm very good at like, approaching people in public and on the phone and stuff like that. But I would have, I would have a tough time cold knocking on somebody's door for any reason, much less to try and sell them uh, on something that even though I believed in it, I mean, it just seems hard to do. How, you know, did, how much of that did you do in your campaign? How successful was it? And what other things worked? Uh, what other things did people respond to when you were campaigning? Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm right there with you. The door-to-door -door thing scared the pants off me. I just, just the initial part um, of having to go door-to-door -to, -door to get signatures so that I could get on the ballot, mm -hmm. that took every ounce of courage I had. Um, and not to mention that at the time, we had a terrible snowstorm in Cincinnati, and so I had to go door-to-door in -door a foot of snow. Uh, all dressed up to look nice and professional and knock on people's doors and ask them to sign my petition so that I could get on the ballot. So that was the first part of, of getting over my fear of going door to door. But then after that, um, when summer rolled around and we had some nicer weather, I, I 
for some reason, for a little while there, I, I let it go. I was almost, you know, just a paper candidate at first. And then something in me, I don't know, my, my uh, competitive spirit got the better of me. And I said, I really, I need to try. I need to do something about this. So what, what is it that I can do when I don't have a whole lot of money to put into this? I put in some of my own money, and I started raising some money um, just by asking folks I know in other liberty organizations, asking friends and family and so forth, and raised a fair amount of money to be able to um, print up some very nice postcards and get those mailed out and print up some literature, some door hangers, and I started organizing um, groups of volunteers to go door-to-door. I went Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturdays um, for about the last six weeks before the election. So that was exhausting. And um, just going up to somebody's door and knocking on it, at first it's terrifying. At least it was for me. Um, It got better and better. The more that I did it, the better it got. Most of the time you find that people are very nice, very pleasant. Even if they don't agree with you, they're not mean. They don't slam the door in your face. They don't spit at you. Um, and most of the time, they just didn't even know what a libertarian was, which was a little disheartening, but it gave me a chance to educate people. So um, the one the one very positive moment that I'll never forget was um, walking up to somebody's door and a nice summer evening, so they had their, their screen door and their main door open, and I knocked, and they came to the door, and I you know, said, hi, my name's Shalene Mack, I'm running for state representative, and they gave me this, you know, this funny look and kind of squinted at me and turned their head to the side and said, which party, Republican or Democrat? And I said, smiled, and I said, well, neither, actually, I'm a libertarian, and they got the biggest grin on their face. And, and it was a guy, and he yelled to his wife, and he said, Honey, come here! There's a libertarian at the door! <laughs> <laughs> and so they both came to the door, door, and they stood there and talked to me for a good 15 minutes or so, were so excited to have another option on the ballot. They had no idea that there was another option. They took all my literature, they donated my campaign, they asked for a yard sign. Um, so that was a really fun moment for me. Um, and one that I'll I'll never forget. But aside from that, honestly, it it got easier and easier every time that I went out. Did you ever get any? Um, I, I know that that's one common reaction we do get um, is people not really being exactly sure. Like, hey, are you the Lyndon LaRouche people or the Ross Perot people or, right. or this or that? And then you're like, no, 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 no. We're this is what we're about. Um, so that's a pretty common reaction. I'm not sure what you guys are. Did you get any buddy who heard the message and was like, Oh, I'm definitely not a libertarian. I mean, did, did you get any negative stuff or, or how do people generally receive it who weren't familiar with it? Generally they received it well. I mean, you, ha- you have to give them the 50,000 foot view of what a libertarian is. And, and really to be perfectly frank, you have to also look at, your neighborhood, the neighborhood that you're in, and the person that you're talking to, and the time of day that you're talking to them, and just make an overall assessment of what do you think this person's background is, and what issue do you think might speak to them the most. Mm-hmm. So I would give them, you know, just a, a little bit about, well, libertarians basically believe that you should live your life the way that you choose. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, your decisions are yours, 
and uh, the government shouldn't interfere with those decisions. Right. And then I would, you know, based on my assessment, and if I, if I thought that maybe I had a good assessment of an issue that this person might be into, I would, I would say that, for example, you know, and then take an issue, whether it's gun rights or uh, drug prohibition or uh, gay marriage or uh, e- any kind of economic freedom and low taxes, whatever it was, you know, I would take my best guess at what might grab them. And they'd say, well, yeah, I totally agree with that. Right. And so that was enough for me to hand them. Um, a world's smallest political quiz and explain, well, here's how to take that. You know, it'll take you all of about five minutes to find out if you're in the libertarian quadrant and uh, give them any other literature I had as well that kind of explained, you know, if they really were interested, we have some excellent brochures from LP National that I handed out that uh, go into all the major topics. Uh, so anything you could possibly imagine, what what's libertarian viewpoint on this, it gives you a little one or two paragraphs on, on all of those. So those folks who really seemed intrigued by the concept, I always made sure that they had one of those. What are some of your uh, main uh, sources for news these days? Um, well, I'm, I'm a podcast girl myself. Um, so I, I do listen to the Lou Rockwell podcast. Um, I like uh, Reason.TV and of course, they put a lot of their stuff on podcasts, so I listen to that. Um, Freedom Watch with Judge Napolitano. That's right. On, on Fox Business is an excellent news program. Old helmet hair himself. Oh, yeah. He's great, though. I love him. Great. I love him, too. He's fantastic. Um, and then you've got John Stossel's show. Yeah. Once a week. Um, so that's a good one. I, and then there's a few economic and financial-type podcasts. Uh, that I listen to as well. I, I'm kind of nerdy like that. I, I like no, that's that good. stuff. Uh, what type of um, books, either libertarian or non-libertarian, do you uh, find yourself reading or some of your favorites? Um, Thomas Woods is a great author, and I've read a few of his. Um, I read Meltdown uh, a couple of years ago, talking about what actually happened with the whole housing bust. Um, and then I read his recent uh, nullification, uh, which is excellent. Highly recommend it. Um, I like Nick Gillespie a lot. I'm currently reading uh, his latest book. Uh, he and uh, Matt Welch of uh, Reason wrote The Declaration of Independence. Right. How libertarian politics can fix what's wrong with America. So I've, I've just started that book. Um, I'm very much enjoying it. I tend to read um, nonfiction. I, I, I read, um, you know, I've, I've read uh, F.A. Hayek and Henry Hazlitt, so some Austrian economists, um, and really anything on libertarian topics, libertarian philosophy, right. or um, Austrian economics. I just bought... Um Human Action, the Pocket Edition. So I'm going to oh, be. The Pocket Edition. I have the. I have uh, what's called the Scholar yeah. Edition. You could. You. I mean, if you needed to defend your life, right. you could Use that book physically to defend your life. Or intellectually, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, intellectually. But oh my gosh, when this thing arrived in the mail, I couldn't believe it. Big, huge, hardcover book, just massive. 
So yes, I've I've started reading that, and that one you have to be really focused and committed when, yeah. you're, when you're sitting down to read that book. But so far, it's been excellent. The pocket edition is a very attractively. Uh, I'm a complete and total book obsessive, um, and I really like. You know, it's cheap. It's like fourteen ninety five. The pocket edition. It's a paperback, but it's well made and attractive, and the paper's good. And the it's. I I, I like I say I've read like the first couple of pages uh, only so far, but it's highly recommended. And uh, from what I've read about Mises and the others, and the very little bit I've read of him, um, I'm really looking forward to it. And you mentioned uh, two other books that are literally on my nightstand: um, the Nick Gillespie, Matt Welch book. I have it, and the at the recent LPO conference, somebody gave me a copy of Meltdown. So um, I'm going to be into both of those very soon, too. So we have some of the same tastes. Um, one more sort of personally type question before we get into um, a little more business. Um, you, what uh, I think you have some uh, special interest in music or something like that. What it, like when you're not um, – you know, reading Mises and raising money for the LPO and doing IT, um, what do you do for fun? Um, yeah, I do have probably an unusual taste in music, or uncommon, I guess. Um, I've been listening to electronica, electronic dance music. Some people just call it techno. If you, if you don't know the genres, people just generically call it techno, although techno is a specific genre of electronica. But I've been listening to that style of music uh, since 99. Okay. Um, and that's really, that's my, that's my thing. So I love to dance. I love to dance to that kind of music. I love to listen to that kind of music, whether I'm driving or just working around the house or whatever it is. My husband and I both actually share that taste. So um, we're, we're always into that kind of thing. And then, I still have stuff that I liked from, from when I was younger. Right. I was really into classic rock and Led Zeppelin and The Doors. and um, So I still love all that kind of stuff, too. But electronica is, is my thing. Now, you're talking to somebody who I've hosted a uh, bluegrass music show on public radio. I have okay. uh, been an award-nominated bluegrass journalist. Uh, right. I, I really like old country, old soul Pre-1970 jazz music, um, wow. Springsteen, Dylan, Van Morrison are my three favorite singer-songwriters. What electronica, or whatever you want to call it, if you could give me one or two albums or tracks that I should check out and try? Because to me, I know you've heard this before, people say it about bluegrass, it all sounds the same. Sure. So, so oh, I hear that all time. Yeah, people say that to me about bluegrass. They're really like... Oh, they, you know, they have a couple other things they say, but one common complaint is it all sounds the same. So what uh, somebody, an artist or an album or a track that uh, I should um, give a chance to? Oh, boy. Well, since I've been listening to it for 13 years now, I have quite a history of, of music in that genre. Um, and a lot of it is underground. Okay. Uh, like, you could go to the store and buy it. You, you would have to have gone to an event where that DJ was playing and, and he was passing out or selling his CDs. Right. Or her CDs in some cases. 
So if I can think of a couple more mainstream people. Or even um, something that I could find. Um, something online. Maybe? On the Internet, yeah. Okay. Um, well, something more mainstream, um, old school, but still phenomenal when I listen to it today, uh, is DJ Dan Beats for Freaks. Okay. So that's a great album. Highly recommend it. I think it's from like 97 or 98, but it's just really funky and groovy, um, old school house music. Um, if you want something completely and totally different from that, uh, because like I like to tell people, the genres of electronica are so different, they can be as different as country and rap. Right. Um, so if you want to go to uh, another corner of electronica, there are um, is a, a group called the Nice Guys. Right. Uh, they're out of San Francisco, um, and you can find their music online. They do they do something very interesting with their music. They blend a genre of electronica, which is called happy hardcore. Mm-hmm. Which means it's very very fast, but very happy and uplifting and upbeat and yep. a lot of words, a lot of vocals, and they blend that with um, hip hop and rap. It's an amazing juxtaposition. I just absolutely love it. My husband and I both love it. We hope to see the Nice Guys live someday, but in the meantime, you can't download their mixes uh, online. So those are two totally different ones, and I could give you several more that are also totally different styles. But we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, now. I'll get started on those and uh, see. And I'll uh, I'll make you a bluegrass CD too if you still have a CD player. You know, I don't know <laughs> people today they don't really have that, but uh, I do still have one in my car, and I think it still works. Okay. Um, one last thing, and this is kind of the most important thing is, um, okay, we're you're um, on the LPO team. You're raising money for us. Basically, what do we need to do, and how do we need to do it, and how has it gone so far? Well, first I was just trying to set up the the general structure, um, establish the the set of um, contribution levels, and then what are the benefits of all of those levels. So we've gotten through that effort, uh, and now we need to start promoting that, promoting, promoting those levels, promoting those levels of giving and the benefits that go along with them. And um, as part of doing that, I'm trying to reach all of our county affiliates and county development groups, make sure that they have, uh, that they see my face, they know who I am, and they have um, our LPO contribution cards so that they can pass those out. Um, I'm looking for ideas always. Um, Right now I'm a one-woman show, but I I can't possibly do this all by myself. And... uh, Two heads are better than one, and three heads are better than two. So any ideas that people have for uh, finance activities, fundraising activities, if you want to call it that, I'm always open to those. I'm keeping a log of every idea that people send to me because I can't act on everything right away or it might not be the right time to act on it for any number of reasons. But I'm keeping a log of those things and reviewing it regularly to, to make sure that, you know, if maybe the right time does come back around for some great idea that somebody had, we can jump on it and figure out how to execute it. So what I'm hoping to do um, initially is 
get a, a letter out to all of the registered libertarians in the state of Ohio, uh, introducing myself and talking about the great things that Ohio has been doing and the plans that the LPO has for the near future. And I'm hoping to get a good response of folks who want to get more engaged. So they, they were obviously engaged enough to go pull a libertarian ballot in the right. last primary election, which is wonderful. Um, so they, they care at least that much. So then if we can hopefully get them to become a financial contributor, even if it's just a, a little bit um, or a monthly contribution, that's really the lifeblood of our organization. Um, even just, you know, a 1776 monthly pledge, it's something that a lot of people will hardly notice is gone. But for the LPO, when those things add up, they really make a huge difference in helping us to budget for our expenses and plan for all of our future initiatives. So um, really pushing those those pledge programs and, and getting um, some information out there to all of our voters about the great things, the great projects that we have coming in the hopes that they'll want to help fund those things. Yeah, we, um, we had a pretty successful um, – well, we've had a pretty successful run in the courts here in Ohio lately the last five years – We've won, well, we've won two court cases and we have an injunction that went our way in the third current case to keep us having fairly, uh, attainable ballot access. Uh, that's a, another whole podcast we may talk about with uh, Michael Johnson, our political director, who's done just some amazing work, uh, keeping us on the ballot. Um, uh, him and uh, Kevin Nedler, our, our chairman, uh, are, have just done a great job. And in 2010, in the primary here in Ohio, and I didn't know this, I was starting to, you know, I had abandoned the Republican Party, but I hadn't got back to the LP yet. And I was at work on the morning of Election Day. And I thought, hey, I'll check out the LPO website and see what's going on, if they have any candidates running in my district. And lo and behold, I found out that you could request a libertarian ballot. I had no idea. Um, the, the news media certainly didn't cover it. But uh, that spring in 2010, you were able to get, in addition to the D and the R, you could get an L ballot. And there were, I think, three other uh, smaller parties than us who also were on the, in the mix. And we had uh, more than 5,000 people in Ohio select the libertarian ballot in the 2010 primary with no, absolutely no media coverage about the fact that you could do so. Uh, in fact, when I did it, I live in a very, very uh, Republican, semi-rural, well, at the time, it was a, I lived in a semi-rural, very Republican uh, district, and the uh, elderly lady who uh, was at the polling place when I said a libertarian ballot. She she looked at me like I had a horn growing out of my head. <laughs> she had no idea. She had to go back uh, back to the back table and find it and all this stuff. So we got five thousand, which is not a lot uh, compared to the huge population of Ohio. But in a primary election with no publicity and something that had never happened before, that that five thousand people thought to ask for a libertarian ballot. So we've got a pretty good base from which to start this yeah. fundraising effort. And, um, you know, if, if you happen to be in Ohio or anywhere else, um, but especially if you're in Ohio and you did pull a libertarian ballot or uh, maybe you're uh, a Ron Paul voter, you'll realize eventually that that's not going to work and you'll come see us. Um, 
But as much as I love Ron Paul, um, yeah, well, that's another show too. But once you come over to our side fully, um, we, we really need that, uh, just a little bit every month or a little bit here and there because we're at the point now where we have most of our basic expenses covered and, and we really want to be able to do more outreach, more voter education, more campaigns and things like that. And we're just on the verge of it. So, um, I'm excited that we have that base across the state to start with. And that's, I guess, your job and my job as communications director. We're, uh, we talk a lot and we're figuring out how to get, get, get to those people. And then we'll work on the next, um, phase after that. But those people, people that already agree with us and have said so at the ballot box, that's our base. So, uh, that's our first step. Exactly. Exactly. Once, once we get reached out to that base, find hopefully additional volunteers, hopefully additional contributors, uh, monthly contributors if possible, then I, I hope to snowball all of that into another phase of then reaching out to more independent-minded voters um, thanks to the fairly decent uh, voting records with the Secretary of State. You can can take a look at who turns out for primaries, you know, those folks that are always voting R or always voting D in the primaries are maybe not our target audience right now, but those folks who go back and forth or who don't vote in primaries because they're not party affiliated and they don't care about the primary process, um, you know, those are the next, that's the next set of people that we really need to target our message towards. So um, after we can get our, our base engaged, and hopefully contributing, I'd like to snowball some of that money into um, outreach communications to right. that next group of people. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the, the hardcore R's and D's. Both of those sets of voters, especially right now, have a lot to be upset about. Uh, the Barack Obama hardcore Democrat people are not happy with the economy, not happy with jobs, not happy with him expanding the wars, not happy with him not uh, stepping in on uh, the Georgia execution that happened here recently. So a lot of things that hardcore Democrat voters thought they were getting, they're not getting. And then a lot of the hardcore Republicans that I used to be, um, and uh, a lot of my close friends and family still are, they're very upset at the uh, way Boehner handled the budget the or the uh, uh, the debt ceiling thing. And I, I think both people, and again, I'm looking at this from the libertarian perspective, but people on both sides who are committed to the stated ideal, ideals of those two parties, more and more of them are waking up to see that those two parties don't even live up to what they claim to be for. Um, and you know, and the libertarians, we call ourselves the party of principle because we are, we're not about, um, being a club or this and that we want to promote our ideas of freedom and and live up to those. And hopefully voters will give us a chance and hold us accountable. But I mean, again, it's bad enough what some of the two major parties stand for, but when they can't even live up to their own, um, their own standards, then a lot of people are asking questions. So a lot of people are involved in the Tea Party from the right and some from the left. But uh, Boehner's getting challenged from the right from somebody who's more fiscally conservative in his um, primary. So a lot of those people, if you're one of those people, you really want to check out the LPO and the National LP 
because, uh, you know, the LP has been around for a while and our principles have not changed. Um, we have uh, con- continuously offered a an alternative uh, to the two big parties that, uh, like I say, always they always disappoint. They disappointed me, the Republicans, over and over again uh, when I was involved in, you know, some of the libertarian leading Republican groups and and things like that. They always build it up and they always um, they always let you down. So. One one last thing, the um, uh, our one of the first things we want to be able to spend a little money on is our website. Jillian, quickly tell us just a little bit about that and um, what we need there, what we're gonna do, um, and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye for now. So tell tell us a little bit about the website project. Sure, um, our website has served us well over the past uh, six or seven years since we've had this one. But uh, I, I think it's time for a new one, and having an IT background, um, I'm somewhat qualified to make that call. Right. <laughs> so um, I think it's time that we have something that's more outwardly focused from a website perspective. Uh, what we have today, it, it's very functional. It has a lot of information on it, sometimes too much information, and, and I think it's internally focused. And what I want to get us to is a website that will really draw the average person in with video, with podcasts and articles, and um, a really clean, modern feel to it where everything's really easy to find and not not too much information overload, but you find that today more and more people, they want to watch a video clip or they want to listen to a podcast. Uh, fewer and fewer people are, are sitting down to read something, even on their computer screen. So um, I just want to have it more outwardly facing to help educate people who don't even know what a libertarian is. They should be able to come to our website and very easily find out what that is and what we're doing and find out about it in a lot of different ways because people learn in different ways too, video and audio and and so forth. And then besides that, so that's the front-facing piece of it. That's the flashy part that everybody will see. But behind the scenes, um, What's also part of this project is extremely important, um, and it's it's not nearly as sexy as the front end, but it's so, even more important, I might say, um, and that is the voter database that we are trying to build. Um, this is something, this whole new platform, front end and the back end voter database, is something that we want to use not just at the state level, but for all of our county affiliates and for our candidates as well. Something that will give them um, the infrastructure, the backbone, the database, and even to help them with their you know, website building at the county level and candidate level and so forth. Um, so that, you know, it's not everybody trying to reinvent the wheel, which is what we've had up till now, but the state organization being able to provide some of those services with the platform that we're working on building right now. Well, that's that's good. I know we've got uh, kind of a blueprint and we're getting bids and stuff like that, and so we're closer to that than, than any other big project we're working on right now. So if someone wants to help us do that, whether with their talent or their time or their intelligence or their money, um, what can they – how do they get in touch with, with us, Jillian? 
Um, well, obviously, they can go to lpo.org, and uh, there's a couple of buttons at the top of the page that you'll see in red. Um, there's the Contribute to Freedom, and there's the 1776 Patriots Pledge. Um, so the Contribute to Freedom is a, is a way to give a one-time donation, and uh, the 1776 Patriots Pledge, that'll take you to a page where you can Choose any number of different monthly pledge options, uh, whatever you're most comfortable with. You can also, if you want to talk to me directly uh, about the project, uh, I, I am meeting with some, some potential donors face to face who want to get engaged and who really do want to help out. Um, so if you want to get in touch with me directly uh, because you think you really might be able to help out on this effort or on other efforts and you just want to find out what we're doing, my email address is jillian.mac at lpo.org. Uh, you can find that on the website as well. I'm on the finance director page. So um, any number of ways to get in touch with me or to just go to the website and donate. Uh, we're really happy to have any kind of support that you can give. Sure. Spell that. Uh, spell your email address just in case. Sure. It's J-I-L-L-I-A-N dot M-A-C-K at L-P-O dot org. All right. And, uh, of course, my name is Aaron Keith Harris. I've been your host uh, you can reach me at Aaron.Harris at LPO.org. It's A-A-R-O-N dot H-A-R-R-I-S at LPO.org. Jillian, thanks for being on, and uh, we'll hear more from you in the future, I'm sure. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Aaron. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. This has been Declared, the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Ohio. This program is paid for by the Libertarian Party of Ohio, not authorized or endorsed by any candidate or candidate's committee. 2586 Tiller Lane, Suite 2K, Columbus, Ohio, 43231-2265. Call toll-free 888-371-2965.